This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Sybin, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. And I want to begin first, as we always do, by thanking our newest Patreon and Tip Jar supporters. And this week, we had more Tip Jar supporters and Patreons, but we have Steve Green, who last week gave to the Tip Jar. Now he's doing a monthly contribution, so thank you very much, Steve, for that. Jeff Gallup gave via the Tip Jar, as well as Anthony Larios, Carmen Nooner, and David Caddy. And David's got a podcast he wants you to check out called The Tangential Soup. It's an Australian-based tech podcast. Great stuff. You can listen to it at tsp.fm. So we got an ad this week. Once again, our friends at Fiscal Dynamics are back again this week. They are a financial planning firm, and they are looking to try to reach out to as many young workers as possible, specifically those born between 1980 and 2000. It is never too early to start financial planning for your future. And your future doesn't have to mean retirement. It could mean just getting ready to be able to quit your job at 35 or 40 and start a YouTube channel full-time like I did. you got to plan for this because, unfortunately, following your dreams usually results in a pay cut for a good amount of time. And you got to be ready for that so you can meet your obligations to your family and other things that you have to pay for, yet still being able to pursue the dreams that you wish to pursue, which is why getting started early is really important. They've got a great tool on their website. It's anonymous. You can type in your age and all of your expenses and income and figure out where you're at right now, figure out whether it's a good place to be at the moment, and then start thinking about how you might want to plan for your future. And Fiscal Dynamics, of course, can help you with that. Now, they've got a very simple mission statement at the company. They've been, by the way, around for over 30 years. A lot of people who responded to last week's ad were curious as to when they got started. Uh, This is a very experienced firm. They've been helping people financially plan for a long time. And their mission here is to organize America's personal finances, that's you, uh, to eradicate financial insecurity so that you can live financially free. And you should know that the road to financial security has two more critical steps because you can save money, but you also should start investing money. And what you invest in is very important and how much you pay for those investments is important as well. And they've got a great offer for people who are watching this show, uh, which is no fee investing on their $599 and $2,400 planning packages. So everything that you invest stays within those investments as opposed to the firm uh, taking their commission. So what does that mean? It means uh, no fees on uh, a percent of assets. There's no 12B1 fees. There's no front end or back end loads, which are also known as commissions. There's no markups and no transaction fees from fiscal dynamics. They are really eager uh, to begin building relationships with young workers and they want to help you put away as much money as possible. So you pay for your financial plan and that is it. They're going to help you get uh, your investments in order and get things moving for you. And I think it's a a really good deal. And again, it's not just for folks in their 50s or 60s. It's really for all of you young workers out there who have money that you need to start thinking about saving so that you can be prepared to follow 
your dreams and be financially free. So if you or somebody you know might benefit from having a good financial plan put together, uh, take a look at the URL down below, lon.tv slash fiscal. And I should remind you that Fiscal Dynamics is a registered investment advisory firm. They are legally required to put the needs of the client first. There are no guarantees in investing and all investing has risk. Past performance is not an indicator of future results. So this week, I got a bunch of stuff shot for the Extras channel as well as the main channel. And I did uh, two videos this week on the Extras channel about the 720S from Lenovo. Uh, One was the unboxing that I usually do. And then I added in a segment about fan noise because this was something I shot and had in my uh, editing software. But for whatever reason, I never dropped it into the timeline. And a viewer said, hey, where's the? what about fan noise? Did you do anything about fan noise? And I said, yeah, it's in there. Watch the video again. Well, sure enough, it wasn't in there because I forgot to drag the clip down to my timeline timeline while I was editing. Uh, So I took that segment and posted it up standalone on the Extras channel for anyone that has questions about fan noise. Every once in a while, I screw up, and that was one of the times. I also took a look at the Samsung Galaxy S8. I hope to get a a review done of that soon. I want to spend a little more time with the phone to get a better feel for it. Um, But to my surprise, it worked with the portable Asus USB-C monitor that I reviewed about two weeks ago. So all you have to do is just plug it in, and it comes right up on the display. Of course, it's going to drain the phone's battery because that display is powered by the device that's plugged into it, but I thought it was kind of cool, and some people suggested you could do one of the wireless charging techniques on the uh, Samsung Galaxy phone and be able to charge the phone or at least power the phone while you output to that display. I just thought that was cool that that worked at all. And then we also unboxed the 360-degree camera Moto Mod for the Z2 Force phone that some of you might have seen me review a little earlier in the week, and I'll talk more about that here in just a second. So be on the lookout. That'll be coming up this week. Now, on the main channel, of course, we had that review of the 720S IdeaPad. And we also got a look at a mini keyboard and trackpad combo that uh, got the label of didn't make the cut, unfortunately, which really bummed me out because I like the form factor. It's very small, about the size of a TV remote control, and it's a keyboard and a trackpad on the same surface. So you can use it as a mouse if you want to drag your finger across from it, or you can start typing on it to get uh, letters sent over to your device. The problem is is that uh, the overall implementation as to how they make that interface work was really clunky. You got to hit a button to switch back and forth between modes. I didn't have a backlight on it, which really made it difficult to use in a darkened home theater room, for example. So a lot of things wrong with it that I think could be corrected, which is a shame because it really is a cool-looking device that I think might have been a really good deal at its $20 price tag. But unfortunately, I'm going to stick to the $20 Logitech keyboards for now just because they work better than this thing did. But uh, we'll keep an eye on what they do for their next revision, but the current one doesn't make the cut. We also got a look at the Canon Vixia line of camcorders. These have not changed a lot in four or five years years. In fact, they haven't done much with these beyond just changing the model number every year. So if you can find a camcorder from last year in this line or even the year before that, you're going to have the same experience you're going to get with a new one. So there's definitely some new old stock out there uh, selling for less than what these new ones cost. And I think you might want to look at that first. Another thing they did here is they took away a feature that's been on these camcorders from the get-go. These have been out now for about 10 years in different uh, varieties, of course. And uh, they removed the AVC HD format, which is a way that these camcorders worked with long-duration recordings in the past because there are some file size limitations with SD cards that you have to contend with when recording long video. And one of the nice things about AVC HD is that it would stitch it all back together for you when you went to edit it. So if you brought in an hour of video from the camcorder, you'd have an hour of video on your timeline to work with in your editing software. They got rid of that for this year's version of the camera. So now when you bring in an hour of video, you might have three or four files that you have to string together yourself in your editing timeline. 
not a huge deal, but just another little confusing factor that consumers will have to deal with here. And I don't think it was the right choice, but uh, it is what it is. And the camcorder is otherwise the same. Now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. This is week 21 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I wanted to talk today about review embargoes. I think I may have talked a little bit about this in the past. So if you're not familiar, uh, the reason why all of the uh, stuff out on YouTube for a new product tends to show up at the exact same time is because uh, manufacturers who are giving advanced units to reviewers uh, embargo those reviews from going up until a certain date and time. Now, uh, this week I was out at New York City for the unveiling of the Moto Z2 Force phone. I wasn't expecting that we'd be getting units that day, but they handed everyone there a unit to borrow uh, on their way out the door. But nobody told me there was a review embargo up, so I just did my usual thing. I hustled to get uh, my video up first, given that I am a small channel. I've got to really hustle and work harder than the big guys do because I have to really fight for every view I can get, especially for an item from a big manufacturer like that. Uh, a couple of maybe 24 hours into that video's life, I got an email from folks saying that, hey, we do allow for a first impressions video and an unboxing, but a full review is embargoed until the third. And this is kind of a new trend now I'm starting to see out there with different uh, companies that they give you the product, they want you to talk about the product on air, but they don't want a full review until the third or whatever date they decide to pick. And that was what happened here. So the video had to be made private and it's going to be made public again on the third. So look out for this thumbnail once again. I know a lot of you watched this video. Some of you had planned to watch it later and it was gone by the time you came back to see it. So don't worry, it's going to be back at the same exact uh, URL it was at before. Uh, but I'm going to keep an eye on this because if I don't see a big upswing in viewership when that embargo lifts, I'm probably going to delete it and then re-upload it. I can't have two of the same video on the channel at the same time. Uh, because uh, this video hasn't had any viewership now since it went down two or three days ago. And I think that's going to hurt its position within the YouTube algorithm. So it's going to be a good experiment to see what happens if you make a video private after it's had some viewership and then make it public again. So we'll keep an eye on it and see uh, how it does. But you might see this one popping back up in your feed again. There's going to be nothing new in the video. Same content just being re-uploaded so that I can uh, maybe have a, a, a shot at competing against the other channels out there. So just uh, bear in mind on that. This is the reality these days with these embargoes. And, you know, it, it's something you could complain about. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm grateful to be invited to these things along with other major media organizations. And if the term of getting a product in hand for a very early review is the uh, agreement that I must make for uh, the ability to have access to those devices, I think that's okay because they're not restricting me as to what I can say. They just want to uh, limit when those reviews go up. And sometimes there's a good reason for it too. So sometimes these devices are getting updated and the one that they give you uh, may not be the firmware that will be in that phone upon release. So they want to make sure that the devices that do get out to people and are being reviewed are being reviewed based on what customers are actually going to get uh, versus something that uh, was maybe two or three months ahead of time. So that's what happens. It you know, happens here from time to time. I would have done my schedule differently this week if that was the case. But one way or the other, the video will be back up again this Thursday. So stay tuned. It just blew up my week a little bit. But that happens every once in a while. No big deal. So let's take a look at the news this week. And uh, some interesting stuff about the Roomba made the New York Times initially at the beginning of the week, which is that uh, there was some discussion that the makers of the Roomba might start selling the mapping data that their devices have been collecting about people's homes, which certainly uh, generated quite an uproar, so much so that uh, they've walked it back a little bit here. And the Roomba CEO uh, 
all but swore on a Bible that he will never sell the maps of users' homes ever again or even talk about it. So it looks like they're uh, backing away from this potential strategy of letting people know where things are. And it was funny reading the New York Times article because they kind of speculated as to what they could do with this data. For example, uh, finding homes that don't have an armchair, for example, and selling that data to advertisers to start uh, putting chairs in front of you or something like that. So it looks like for now uh, that won't be happening. But one of the things you got to keep in mind is what happens if Roomba ever gets purchased. If Google bought Roomba, uh, they could just make every user of a Roomba abide by Google's privacy policy, which would, of course, negate Roomba's old policy. Even the acquisition itself would uh, result in the customer data from Roomba being sold to Google. And unless there was some specific carve-out uh, for that data in the agreement when the acquisition takes place, uh, you really can't control that. So even though a device manufacturer might today say, I'll never sell your data, it doesn't mean that when that company gets purchased by somebody else that they won't. And I think that's one of the things that we have to think about in this IoT age that we're in. There is data being collected about all this stuff in your house, and it's going into a server somewhere that might be accessible to the company that is selling you the product. It might be accessible to the company that buys the company that sold you the product. And it's also accessible to government governments also. So just keep all this stuff in mind. Uh, there was a related story this week. It's funny how all these stories kind of coalesce together. Um, there was a, in, in Gloucester, Mass., which is not too far from me, uh, a nine-year-old was arrested on larceny charges after the woman who uh, had her home broken into by this nine-year-old heard his voice on her Alexa history. And if you're not familiar with this, uh, the Alexa app keeps a history of all the queries that were made to that device, and it has a recording of that as well. So check this out. I've got the Alexa app open on a mobile phone here, and it has every bit of history that I have ever asked an Amazon Echo device since the beginning of time, including my very first queries to the one that I got right when it came out around Christmas time of 2014. So if I go into one of these entries here and I play it back. Question, Alexa. Tell me about the planet Mars. And so it has a recording of my voice from uh, three years ago when this device first came out, stored not on the phone or in my Alexa device, but over on Amazon servers. And the worst part is, is that when you go in and maybe you want to delete one of those entries, uh, when you go back out, it drops you back to the beginning of the list here. So if you're using this thing every day, you've got a lot to scroll back through to try to get rid of stuff. Now, what you can do is go on their website and have it delete all of the recordings it's ever made of you. But of course, uh, once you start using it again, those recordings will then begin to bulk back up once more. They also get rid of all the helpful cards and other stuff that pushes down to the app. And who knows if those audio files are ever deleted. They could just be sitting in a server somewhere uh, up in Amazon's headquarters that uh, would be within reach to a government agency, for example, if there was ever a warrant or a subpoena for your personal information. So just keep these things in mind because these devices can be used to fight crime, uh, but they can also be used to store a lot of personal data about you without your knowledge. Now, it's not recording everything that's going on in your home, but it does record everything after it hears the trigger word. And I have a few instances in my history where it thought it heard that word and it started recording everything. And uh, that stuff is now stored in Amazon servers. It was stored there without my knowledge because I wasn't home when it happened. And it's probably been sitting in that server now for the last two or three years. It's accessible to me. It might be accessible to Amazon employees who have access to that data. And if law enforcement ever wanted to take a peek at what's going on in my house, they could get access to it also 
through a warrant here in the U.S. and I'm sure many other countries too. So this stuff is up there. It's being recorded. It's stored. And this is one of those things that technology brings. There's a lot of convenience, but it is now making things accessible to law enforcement that were not accessible before. And uh, this is one example of it where it helps solve a crime, but uh, there are also privacy implications that people should be aware of when they use these devices. Amazon does not make it easy to delete these recordings. There's no way to say, hey, only store recordings for two weeks. It stores them for three years, as we saw here. And the only way to get rid of them is to go through individually one by one or wipe out everything and start all over again. But when you start all over again, it starts recording all over again. So there's really no easy out here beyond not using one of these devices at all. I also wanted to show you this uh, case here that's happening in my home state of Connecticut. Uh, They call it the Fitbit murder case. Uh, This man is accused of killing his wife, and they use the uh, data from her Fitbit to figure out when the murder occurred and also looked at his cell phone records, her cell phone records, records from their alarm system. Basically, they were able to take all this data that's been collected from uh, items on their uh, on the persons that were involved with this, as well as items in the home that are communicating with outside servers to figure out uh, what happened during the course of the day and where these people were when these things happened. And in one case here, they were even able to see the Fitbit syncing through the woman's cell phone at one point versus syncing through the cell phone connected to the home Wi-Fi. So they were able to really figure out that she was at the house at a certain period of time throughout the day. This is a fascinating story to read how uh, the police put this case together uh, against this man. He's still on trial here, so this is all uh, alleged right now. But uh, the case, I think, is pretty strong based on the evidence that they were able to get from all of these devices that were communicating the whereabouts of everyone involved in this case. And now it's time for some Q&A. And if you were not confused enough by USB-C, there is a new standard being proposed for USB called USB 3.2. And I've talked uh, ad nauseum about USB Type-C frustration in the past. I'm not so frustrated with it because as a techie, as you all are as well, you kind of understand how USB Type-C works and its different implementations, but many consumers are getting confused by it. I get emails all the time from people who are trying to plug Thunderbolt devices into USB Type-C connectors, for example, or wondering why their phone or computer doesn't output to a display over the USB-C port, even though their monitor supports it. A great example is the Samsung phone here that supports one mode of USB Type-C that other phones with the same connector do not. So that Asus monitor we were able to connect to with the Samsung would not connect up with other brands. It's just a continually uh, confusing thing for people that are using this technology, and it's not going to get any better uh, because now there's going to be yet another standard. Now, this is just adding an additional lane of traffic to the wire, which apparently is not currently supported on existing USB connections. So although Thunderbolt allows the uh, cable to use four lanes of data traffic. Apparently, USB Type-C now only allows one. 3.2 will allow two, and that means that you'll get more throughput potentially with those two lanes of traffic. But uh, the new cables that would come out after USB 3.2 is announced, and you can read more about this at this uh, Business Insider article, uh, the new cables that will come out after this standard is implemented will be faster than cables that were made before. So the old cables apparently will support the two-lane speeds, but they won't be as fast as the new 
cables might be. And it's already hard enough trying to figure out which cables provide power delivery and everything else. I've got to put little labels on my cables to make sure I get the right thing connected to the right device. And this, of course, will add another layer, especially if you're trying to use uh, very uh, high bandwidth types of devices. So it'll not get any easier, but at least uh, the cables will be backwards and forwards compatible to some degree. But just stay tuned and strap in. More USB changes are on the way. And our next question comes in via Twitter from ACV, and he's wondering if it is possible in Windows to download Netflix movies for offline viewing like you can do on the Android and iOS platforms. And the answer is yes. You can't do it through the website, of course, but there's an app for that, as they say. There's one available in the Windows uh, Store. So you pull up your Windows Store, which is usually uh, down here on your Windows 10 installation, and uh, you just search for Netflix, install the app like you would any other app, and then uh, once it's installed here, you can start downloading stuff for offline viewing on your computer or on your Windows tablet. It doesn't matter as long as it's running Windows 10 and you get your Netflix app from the Windows Store. You can just click this download icon here and store this stuff on your computer for offline viewing. So pretty cool stuff that it not only works with mobile devices, but also computers. What's funny is that in this age of universal apps where this same app or a similar version to it is running on the Xbox One. Uh, the Xbox One does not allow downloading of content, but uh, your computers and tablets will let you do that, which is great. Unfortunately, Amazon Video does not yet offer an option for that. I did look around on the store. Uh, they don't have an option for even an app, let alone offline viewing, but uh, you can, of course, do it here on uh, your Windows devices with Windows 10 and the Netflix app. I also believe that the Windows 10 Netflix app will also support 4K on KB Lake processors to your TV as well. So you do get some additional options there. You can't watch it in any other app beyond the Netflix app because they encrypt it, but it does work and it's great to see them doing this. And this next question comes in from Flood of Sins, and it looks like he's trying to avoid sinning for the IRS. Uh, he's curious if you can write off things on your taxes that you buy to review. And this is obviously a dangerous question to answer, so I'm going to first uh, preface my answer and response here with uh, some advice to go find an accountant first to make sure that uh, what I'm about to tell you is accurate. But I, uh, I want to just give you some advice as to what you should be doing, especially if you want to take your YouTube channel or other content effort uh, to the next level. In other words, starting a business versus just having some kind of uh, hobby where you occasionally do a YouTube video every now and then. So my advice, first of all, is to uh, set up a business, an LLC, for example, like I did here in Connecticut, to make sure that you can separate yourself from the business entity. Uh, the second thing I would recommend is carving out a workspace for yourself, whether it's in your home or you have, even if you go out and rent a small office somewhere, uh, you want to have all of your work stuff centralized somewhere that's separate from your living area. And you need to also do that with all of the finances related to the business also. So everything that I do financially with my channel is contained within separate accounts from what I use personally. So there's no intermixing of personal and business expenses. That's a really critical uh, thing to keep in mind. Now for this question specifically, um, you could probably write off things that you buy to review, but you have to be very careful about this because if you start, if you buy stuff, let's say you buy a, an Xbox or something, you review it, and then you then bring it upstairs to your personal dwelling and start uh, playing games on it, uh, you really have to start, you really can't write that off because you are using it for a uh, personal use. There might even be some income transfer between the business and you for transferring an item of value back to yourself for personal use. If it's an Xbox that you only use for streaming on your business channel, then you could probably get away with either writing it off or depreciating that 
uh, the value of that item over time. And there's certain things you can write off the first shot. There's other things that you have to depreciate. And again, those are things that your accountant's going to give you some really good advice on better than I can give. I rely on the experts to tell me at the end of the year uh, what my tax obligations are. Uh, another thing I do recommend is that you keep very good books. And this is a really critical component of any business, which is recording every single transaction in and out. And again, separating all of those transactions from uh, your personal affairs. I use QuickBooks. I bought the software. I like having it running and stored on my local computer versus a subscription. But uh, QuickBooks has a uh, subscription feature where you can have it run on their server and access it from the web, or you can just buy the software package from them directly or through any software uh, reseller to uh, get that thing installed and going. But uh, definitely take some time to learn how to keep good books and uh, get everything in, in order. What's funny, when I was going to high school, the uh, push was for all the college-bound students was for them to go into geometry and trigonometry and all this advanced math. And uh, all the real practical math was not being pushed on college-bound kids. But I decided to go on the accounting route uh, when I was in high school instead. And I'm really glad that I did because I learned all the basics about good bookkeeping, which is really helping me now as I uh, begin to do this as a full-time occupation. I'm also going to recommend an episode of a podcast called The Free Agents. Uh, this is episode number 14, and they talk with a guy who uh, gives some really good advice as to what you should be thinking about and how you should be conducting yourself. Even if you don't have a uh, business entity established yet, uh, establishing the good financial habits to make sure that these things are being run like businesses will help for when your channel does get big enough that you need to make this change. And I strongly recommend listening to that. I also strongly recommend getting a good accountant also because the last thing you want to do is get in trouble with the IRS. They can make your life miserable. And now it's time for a Q&A for you. And I'd love to hear about some of the channels that uh, you're starting or already running. Leave them down in the comments below and share them with your fellow viewers of this channel. It's always good to uh, build out a community of different content creators. And I'd love to see what you're working on down in the comments below. And if you have any business questions, we can also talk about those in the comment thread too. So definitely let us know what you're working on. I'm sure your fellow viewers would love to see it. So our channel of the week this week is actually a podcast. I'm going to recommend this free agents podcast as a whole, not just that one episode. It is hosted by David Sparks. He's also known as Mac Sparky. He runs the uh, podcast called Mac Power Users. And he uh, recently quit his job. He was, he's still an attorney, but he was working for a law firm. And now he is a free agent attorney and does all his content creation on the side. Uh, Jason Snell is a very well-known Mac journalist that also uh, left his job and is working on his own. He runs the Six Colors blog along with a podcast network and a whole bunch of other things as well. So these guys are really uh, do, living the life that I'm hoping to live here. And it's good therapy for me. Every time this podcast shows up every two weeks, I am, it's my first listen right when it pops up because it's really been helpful for me just to be thinking about uh, the things you need to think about when you do uh, quit your job and start working for yourself. So great podcast. They cover some really great topics on all different uh, components of being a free agent, and I highly recommend it. So check it out. You've got 26 episodes to catch up on. So this week, we've got a whole bunch of stuff planned. I'm finally going to get to the Sling Studio. We did that live stream a week or two ago. Um, because the phone arrived when it did, I thought um, I, I thought I was going to be able to review the phone last week. So I uh, put this off to this week. So now I will finally get this done. This is on the docket, hopefully, for Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday or Wednesday of 
uh, this week, so be on the lookout for the Sling Studio review. I'm also hoping to get to my DVR update number three, where we look at uh, doing this on the cheap. In other words, finding less expensive equipment than what I've been showing in my videos to try to reduce that upfront cost. You can always upgrade to more expensive stuff later, and I think I've got a pretty good budget put together that should cost substantially less than uh, what I was showing you. There are some uh, sacrifices to be made with that configuration, but I think it might work, so that will be happening. And of course, we'll have the review of the 360 camera on the Moto Z2 Force, and that Moto Z2 Force uh, review will re-emerge on my list of videos. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash Patreon and make a monthly contribution to the channel. We also have the tip jar set up at lon.tv. And what's funny is I used to show the Venmo slide here, and then uh, somebody wrote in, I, I lost track of where the comment came in from, but they reminded me or told me that Venmo uh, was not yet internationally capable. I thought they were because PayPal owns them, but sure enough, they're not. So uh, you can go to PayPal now if you want to make an international contribution to the channel uh, to Lon at Lon.tv. And David Caddy at the outset there with the podcast in Australia, uh, he did that the other day, and I thank him. And if you wanted to help the channel that way, you certainly can. Now, we have the Plex deal still going. So if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card needed, we get a small commission. You can also gift a Plex pass to somebody you know or love or hate. It doesn't matter as long as you get them something. Uh, you can go to Lon.tv slash Plex gift, and we'll get a commission for that as well. I've got a bunch of channels that you may not know of. We've got the Extras channel, the podcast, which is, uh, has audio versions of this and all the interviews that I do. I also have the Snippets channel set up, which is kind of a new and growing channel for me. Uh, this is taking clips from uh, this and other portions of other reviews because some things are better packaged as a little snippet versus a 20 or 30 minute long video. So those things go up there. So you might see the same stuff you're seeing here, but you're going to see different segments of it. And a few people that have subscribed to that thought they were watching my main channel, thinking I was cheapening up my main channel. I'm not. This is a separate channel. I'm trying to get this built up because I think a lot of what I talk about in the wrap-up is searchable and would be watched as a smaller snippet. So I'm trying to find ways to make uh, this content repurposed and searchable. So that is what the Snippets channel is all about. And of course, we've got my live stream archive at lon.tv slash live streams. I also suggest you click on the bell icon to be notified every time I upload something. I do upload quite a bit, but on the main channel, it's all reviews and uh, no real filler stuff. So check it out over there on that little bell icon there. And of course, you can engage with the channel with my email list, which I am totally horribly derelict on. I'm going to be uh, focusing on that hopefully a little later this week. We have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook and the store where I also need to do some work on it this week. Uh, the store is where I sell the things that I bought for review and I'm now reselling. So you're going to get some new stuff that was opened and reviewed here on the table. So the item that I actually had in my hands is what I'm selling and I sell it at a discount versus what it costs new because it is used. And uh, that is where I get rid of all of that stuff stuff. So stay tuned for that. And you can sign up for an email alert every time I do make adjustments to the store. I still have that AMD laptop up there. So if you want it, uh, check it out. Make an offer too if you think my price is too high. I want to get rid of it. So let me know. And that'll do it for this week's weekly wrap, weekly wrap up. I'm losing my ability to speak here. Uh, please keep those questions and comments coming. I really appreciate everyone who watches this channel on an ongoing basis because viewership and all the support that you give me is helping this channel continue to grow. And that's an important thing given that I am a free agent. This is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including Gold Level supporter Cody Falk. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month.
Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.